You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is David Hoyt, Chief Revenue Officer with Part Mobile. How are you doing today, David? Isaiah, I'm doing really well. I really appreciate you having me on the program. Especially you just got back from uh, across the uh, well, across the waters there, just came back from Spain with the Easy Park Convention. Uh, so you're on no sleep, time change, and yet you're on the podcast. But tell us a little bit about the about the conference. Yeah, it was it was a fabulous time. So our parent company, Easy Park, brought in. <clears throat> I think that the end count was about 800 or 900 global employees to just outside of Barcelona, where we got to interact with them, some learning sessions, and really talk about the direction of the company. Just was an energizing time for for the last couple of days, and like you said, now I'm just I'm paying for it, but I I wouldn't miss this at all. Yeah, I grew up in uh in in, in Japan for about eight years, and also in Panama, Central America for eight years, but never been to Europe. So I'm dying to uh, get over there on parking business. Uh, so it's a free trip, but maybe maybe one day I'll get over there. But glad you, you're there and glad you're back and had a great time. And that's really cool that uh, your company uh, rewards you guys and invests in you guys like that. So speaking of which, you're now with Part Mobile, as you said, the parent company, Easy Part. But take us back to the beginning because you worked for, I remember, man, Digital, Flowbird, uh, several, several big names out there. So take us back to the beginning. How did David Hoyt get into parking? Man, I wish I had a good story to tell about how I came into the parking business. It was, I responded to a job posting. Now, it was kind of funny because the job posting was listed as real estate management position. Lo and behold, you get there and, and the real estate they were talking about was a 16 to 18 foot parking stall. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what to think of it, but I will tell you in retrospect, I am so glad that I did not run for the hills after finding out it was parking. I've had such a great time in the parking industry, but absolutely true story. It was responding to a, a position that was called real estate management. So was the position online or was this back newspaper, grab a marker and circle the, the ad that stands out to you? Well, we should probably not talk about what medium it was, Isaiah. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm one of the grizzled veterans. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's funny because now that term real estate, as it pertains to parking, is making a, a comeback. That's the new thing, real estate value when they're talking about parking. But uh, yeah, you've worked for, again, some great companies, some great leaders, you know, Looking back, who, who would you say some of your most important uh, professional mentors have been along this uh, this wonderful journey of yours? Isaiah, you know, during my tenure, I honestly have worked alongside some amazing people. I mean, really too many to call each of them out. But if I would highlight a couple, first and foremost, it would be Tom Hagerman. Tom was a mentor to me early on in my career. And I honestly believe that Tom Hagerman did more to shape me to who I am today in the business than anybody else. I was in my mid-20s and so underqualified for the position I was in. And Tom stuck with me and worked really hard. You know, the one thing I had was always a, a deep-rooted 
hard work ethic that I learned from my father, and then just a firm commitment to beliefs and ethics. And Tom was able to teach me parking, but maybe more importantly, he was able to to really shape me to become a leader. You know, so Tom early on, and then in a different stage in my career, I got a chance to work alongside Chris Chettle. And Chris Chettle really became a mentor of mine. And I think several of your past parking podcasters would concur that that mm-hmm. Chris was probably a mentor to them as well. You know, from Chris, I learned the importance of humility and kindness. And if you know Chris, he is just, he's soft-spoken. But, you know, Chris was accomplished, you know, more without ever having to raise his voice. And, and that really resonated. I with love me. that. And, and I've, I was able to take that along and, and adapt it to, to my management style. Honestly, could keep going on and on and on, whether, you know, a Romy Valera or a Brian Scoggins, you know, a Pam Corbin or a Bill Garrity or Brent Paxton. I guess I'll just end it like this. You know, I am absolutely so grateful to so many people that have impacted my career and really are part of my lives outside of the parking business. It's just been awesome. Yeah, I love uh, you know, the expression, we drink from wells that other people have dug. You know, I feel the same way. There's been people that have kind of gone out of their way to invest in me or mentor me. You know, Jack Skelton, Scott Titmiss, Steve Resnick, just people that have been influences in my life, like Tom Hagerman and, and Chris Chettle have been for you. And I, I love the comment about Chris Chettle because I think so many times it's usually whoever's loudest in the meeting seems to get the most, sometimes, you know, maybe gets the most respect or they think they're the smartest in the room. And I've always thought, you know, don't confuse loudness by knowledge or by leader. You know, it's, I love leaders like that. I've had a few in my career. Uh, and I remember talking to Chris and, Certain people, when you leave a conversation and you feel like better, like you you feel like good about yourself, I was like, Chris is one of those. It's like one of those where you don't remember what was said with certain people. You remember how you felt, and uh, and he definitely made that uh, impersonation on uh, or impression on me when 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 I met him. And I also think when he when he was taken as like a, he took like a sabbatical in between uh, digital and another venture, but he, he went and like camping in national parks for like six months. I can't remember the story, but I was like, yeah, what a boss move. I'm like, what a, what a, what a dude. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You know, I think that's the one thing that Chris has always done. You know, he was, he was certainly somebody that worked really hard, but then after the fact, you know, I, I think he's actually taken a, a sabbatical twice, you know, so after, you know, two shifts in his career, after leaving T2. Um, and then I think after leaving his venture with the mountain train company, he was able to take some time with, you know, himself and with his family and talk about doing it right, Isaiah. You know, he has done it right on so many different fronts. And he is is certainly somebody that I look up to. No, I love it. Yeah. Hopefully I'm in a position to to make moves like that one day. And also don't uh don't count out yourself and the uh impression you've made on other people David not to be too sappy. We'll get to some to the meat of the podcast, but I've just this week I went out to 
dinner with some folks and and your name came up and everyone's like, I just love Dave. David's the best. Or Dave, <laughs> yeah, it's like you, uh, uh, I think the comment was when something's not going right, when something's broken or wrong, you know, you, you don't BS around that. You say, Hey, this is wrong. I want to make it right. I'm on the first flight out to, to talk and see how we can get through this. And I think that speaks a lot about your character and some of the advice and mentorship you picked up along the way. And I also remember one comment you made for me one day, you will not remember this at all. Probably 12 years ago, I, I asked you a question and, uh, it wasn't the best question. And you said something like, uh, I still remember it cause I use it now. You said, Isaiah, you're better than that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just love, so anytime I've had like a manager or someone ask something, uh, I just, I remember I'm like, dude, you're better than that. Come on now. You know, like, I just love that expression. But anyways, um, thanks for the influence you've made on my life and other people. So yeah, I, I like your kind of, uh, your diversity and, and your, your background. You've worked parking management, you've worked parking hardwares. Now you're in software. Uh, do you have any thoughts kind of what suits you the best or what, I don't know, just any thoughts about working on pretty much every vertical in the parking industry? I will tell you, you know, being in the parking software space today is, is by far, I think I, I found my niche. You know, I, I wouldn't trade in the time that I spent in parking management when I started my career. It really laid the foundation of, of who I am today. Mm. But parking management, as you know very well, man, that's a daily grind. You <laughs> deal with so many challenges that are outside of your control. You've got shrinking markets. You've got you know human capital. There are so many things that are outside of your control. I mean, it's, it is a daily grind. I thought, you know, let's move off of parking management and get into to hardware. And I looked at that as kind of middle ground for me, Isaiah. It's it still had some some challenges. It still was very rewarding. I got to meet, you know, I got to spend time with folks like Chris Chettle and others. Uh, but because of large capital investments, you know, even when like upgrading technology was direly needed you know, you could always be restricted by budget. So it was frustrating to a certain extent, but man, I feel like I'm in the sweet spot with mobile pay, you know, at Park Mobile, you know, we work with thousands of clients and we have hundreds of partnerships throughout the industry. I honestly believe that, you know, if you're true to your word and, and working within this business, you can impact a client and a customer in this business pretty easy. And I just really enjoy the interaction. Yeah, I love it. I agree. You found your niche as well. Um, I've enjoyed working with uh, Park Mobile. I've uh, enjoyed working with you. I've seen you uh, you skyrocket to the to the C suite. So now you're a chief revenue officer. Tell us about you know what's your responsibility as chief revenue officer? Yeah, you know, moving into the new role. The best thing about it is I, I still get to manage the sales organization. So I love sales. And I love the fact that we have an amazing team at Park Mobile. I get to walk alongside this journey with Dave Holler and Andy Harmon and Connor Ray on a, on a, on a daily basis. I get to walk alongside Brooke Feldman in account management. 
this is a, a fa- fantastic time, a fantastic to be position to be in. But in addition to that, I love the fact that you know I get to grow existing partnerships. So the existing partnership program, I get to forge new strategic alliances, you know, in and outside of the parking business. And I get to explore potential M&A opportunities throughout North America. You know, if you have to kind of put, you know, what is the title? You know, we've had some a great growth trajectory at Park Mobile last couple of years. It's been impressive. You know, I'm kind of tasked at maintaining that growth, but really not forgetting where we came from and who got us there. You know, so they they bring in the old guy that that has some experience throughout the industry and, and seeing how it's changed. How do we continue to grow, but also remember what got us there? That's really what I'm doing at as chief revenue officer at Park Mobile. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, what I've seen the growth year on, year out. It's got to be stressful because every year you have a great year, you got to do it all again, plus more the next year. But what are some of the, I don't know, new enhancements or new things or new, uh, uh, what's new at Park Mobile? What are you excited about and how are you going to grow it next year? You know, growing up in the sales business, you know, every year you you start from zero. So so you're right, it's always stressful. But what's been exciting as the company continues to invest in innovation. One thing, one of many things that I was truly proud of that during the pandemic, while other companies were laying people off, there was furloughs all across the industry. Park Mobile didn't lay off a single staff member. All we did is double down on a commitment to innovating. And I think we're reaping the rewards today. That's, uh, I hate to interrupt, but that's pretty amazing, especially for a mobile pay company, because I feel mobile pay companies were hit the worst because a lot of management companies, they had you know, uh, management deals where they were getting paid a monthly management fee. Uh, same thing with people were still ordering parking meters for future because they knew the pandemic wouldn't last forever. But mobile app, it's like your revenue got shut off overnight, you know, and you know, nine, probably 99% of your revenue stopped coming in for six months. And for you guys to double down and keep the team together, that's that's really impressive. And congrats to the leadership there to pull that off. Yeah, thanks, Isaiah. It was as you would expect, we're a transactional-based business. And literally, you know, from a week-to-week basis, we were down 92% of our revenue. Wow. But we were in our best, the best cash position that the company had ever been in. And at the time, we were owned through a joint venture of BMW and Daimler. And they made a commitment to us. And so we were able to double down and make a commitment to innovation. We had transitioned a while back from what I call you know, a client-centric organization to more a, of a customer-centric organization. And so what we did is because business was low, we looked at it and said, all right, now we've got the time. What do we want to do? And we decided and we came up with with really this slogan that we wanted to focus on meeting the customers where they wanted to pay. We were very successful as an app-based organization. We also had web reservations um, through our, our acquisition of Click and Park, but that's really primarily what we we're doing. 
So we decided, all right, let's really expand and meet the customers where they wanted to pay. And so in those 18 months, you know, we added the ability to create a mobile web solution, a scan to park solution, a text to pay solution. Then we started getting creative. You know, we expanded even our partner branded apps and we started to embed in partner apps like Google. So we really looked at the approach of it was all on the Park Mobile platform, but wherever the customer was, they would be able to pay for parking if it was related to it. We, we integrate into some transit apps. We do stuff with venues. So really meeting the customer where they want to pay. And it's, we've been rewarded by this approach. You know, so, so staying the course, allowing the team to stay on board and innovate. Within the last month, we announced that you know, our user base grow has grown to over 35 million users in North America. And so this customer-centric organization, you know, now the customers really become brand loyal. They want to work. They want to pay with, with Park Mobile. And then if you have a happy customer, then your client's happy. So really, it's, it's a great balance within the industry and within Park Mobile and our clients. And it's been hugely successful on our transaction growth. Wow, 35 million. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and I love the idea. Again, I love the app. If you're a repeat user, the app's a no-brainer. It's so easy. You get your receipts. You have your history. It's just, just so quick. But a lot of times when you're visiting a new city and they use a different app, you know, it's annoying to have to download an app so for a one-time use. So I love when companies are are adding solutions just as text to pay or scan to pay or web pay or IVR, just anything to speed up the process. Because I know there's value in getting that customer information, but there's also a lot of customer service benefits to allow payments without downloading the app. And I love seeing the industry move in that direction. What, what about mobile app? Is that as part mobile thought? Of, you know, or do you see that as a, uh, as a threat or as an opportunity? Kind of what's your stance there as some cities are starting to flirt with multiple apps? I see a mo- multiple apps. First of all, I'll, I'll kind of break this up in, into two sections. So, Mobile app we've embraced. We have a, a mobile web solution today that allows for guest checkout. You don't even have to be a, a Park Mobile customer. Again, it, we, like you had mentioned, we embraced and wanted to meet the customers. And there's there's a vast number of customers that just don't want to download an application. And we're okay with that. We do probably, you know, it continues to grow, but about 10% maybe even a little bit over 10% of our transactions are mobile web transactions. So it's something that has been extremely popular for us. And to your point, when people are traveling from you know city to city or on vacation, sometimes they just don't want to download an application for maybe one or two or three days worth of parking. So our guest checkout and our, our mobile web application is perfect for those customers. As far as the you know multiple providers within a city, I think cities are are starting to learn you know how to how to manage that, and we embrace you know this open market concept. 
you know, it's something that we learn from, from Europe. So we're embracing this open market concept when it's done right. So that one, it doesn't scare us. Two, we actually embrace it because we think it's best for the customer, which then it will benefit the client in the long run. And I forget, you know, with your with your, with your parent company being Easy Park based in, in Europe, this is uh, nothing new for you guys as far as the multi-app. So uh, I love hearing your answer on that. So, and speaking of Easy Park, so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, I read the article recently about Global's perspective on, on parking that you wrote with uh, Martin uh, from Easy Park. So I guess talk about that new... Uh, New ownership, how's how's Park Mobile leveraging learnings from uh, Easy Park in, in Europe and applying it to maybe the United States? You know, we we started the segment talking about you know coming back from Barcelona uh, last night. So you know, I spent the the last week with colleagues in Barcelona, but even before that, you know, I, I've made multiple trips over to our office in Stockholm. I was able to go to inner traffic this year. Our colleagues have come to the US. We've really taken an opportunity to understand both what is successful in the US and what is successful in Europe and really kind of talk about what we can apply and where we can apply it. I have learned, you know, just in the short year spending time with my Easy Park colleagues a lot about the business that I knew it would be a solid business decisions if we if we move things you know in this direction if i had to frame a couple of things you know i would say the us market could easily explore maybe focusing a little bit less on the lowest price you know maybe leveraging data a little bit more like the uh, mm. the folks in europe do and truly being you know maybe better environmental stewards you know, and I and I'll talk a little bit about each of those. You know, so this lowest price market that we have in the in the U.S. You know, I'm pricing throughout my entire career. You know, I've experienced that low bid mindset, and Isaiah, you may be you know experiencing it experiencing it in your world today, right? You know, whether it's parking management, whether it's hardware, and even you know parking software today. This concept about the low bid or the lowest price is always the best price. Europe is just light years ahead of us on that for parking software. And it is in just interesting to see how they continue to evolve. The European mobile parking market, mobile payment parking market, has truly opened up in many cities to multiple providers. But I think they do it in a, in a much different way that, that we should look at here and be interesting to see if collaboration with IPMI is a way to go, they really set a minimum standard of that you have to meet to be a mobile payment provider, and then they pre-qualify firms. But instead of just restricting, you know, a the consumer-funded pricing to a limit, they they have unrestricted pricing. They feel like the market will dictate, you know, what the profitability will be and what companies can invest back into their system. You have a good system, you get a lot of transactions. Why restrict pricing? So it really promotes vendors reinvesting in innovation to get the consumers, or the consumers move on to the other provider. It really puts the program in balance. So 
with fair, unrestricted pricing, the provider can afford to continue to innovate, the customer gets a better solution, and the city gets a happier customer. So really, it is a balance. Yeah, it drives me crazy because sometimes too, it's the decision makers focus on one price and think, oh, this is the what I'm saying is even even the perceived lowest price isn't typically the lowest price. They're they're charging other ways, or maybe their transactional fees are higher, or maybe it's you have to replace it every year versus another product that lasts every three years. So it's it's just you're right. I, I think that's something that, you know, especially from my position municipal to government world that I hope we can do we can do better on and, and learn from some of the uh, things they're doing in Europe. They also, Isaiah, it's interesting. They also really leverage data, you know, much more than we do. And I think we've started to, you know, data was always the, you know, kind of that sexy word that parking data this, and we're going to learn more about parking data. But what I've seen in this short time with Easy Park is is really cities are leveraging that parking data. Easy Park's mission statement is to make cities more livable. And, you know, they got a solution that they use in Europe where it maps inventory, really gets a true understanding of occupancy, and it allows cities to use data to make good parking policy decisions. And, you know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we're even piloting this program in your backyard in Chattanooga. So there's going to be more to come, but really think the U.S. can leverage data to make good policy decisions. And I think they're going to continue to have to do this, especially as more people come back to the city and maybe move back to the city. EV charging gets more prominent on street. There's going to be a lot of levers that'll have to be pulled and a lot of chess pieces that'll have to be moved along that parking curb space. And I think the data and really leveraging that data is going to be critical. Yeah, no, and I agree. And are you on like the the data alliance? I forgot the with Mike Dro the standard for data alliance. So so we are Easy Parks sits on the board, and as well as I'm on the parking technology committee. So we spend a lot of time about about the data piece and really promoting it. It's just you know it it's so much more in Europe that they're they're looking into. And the U.S. will benefit from it. Yeah. No. And do you have any more to, to add to that? No, I would just say the last thing, and, and maybe this is, it's both personal and professional. You know, I think we we have to be better environmental stewards. You know, ultimately, I mean, it was so refreshing at our conference. Our CEO came on board and said, hey, listen, we're going to become carbon neutral by 2025. And whether it is, you know, how we operate in our offices or really a commitment by, you know, through our services, reducing reducing congestion around finding a parking spot. We as an organization, and, and I challenge every organization to be become to become better environmental stewards, we have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I said I said on the speaking of the technology committee, I said on the sustainability committee and we wrote a framework and we took on a lot of initiatives, but we modeled a lot of stuff after what they were doing in Europe. So I think that's really insightful. And are listeners able to get a hold of that uh, that article online? 
Yeah, they are. Um, it is. It was in the international edition of the of NPA's magazine. Yeah, and I will, I'll try to put a link to it in the show notes or instructions on how to find it because it was a really good piece. I, thanks, Isaiah. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed writing writing it with Martin, and it's just a a small snapshot of of what I've learned and what Martin has learned. You know, between the the two organizations, and it's exciting is is Martin's going to take a new role within the organization and spend a lot of time in the U.S. So we're going to be working a lot together and. And we're going to learn from each other. Oh, I love it! And you talked about lessons learned from Europe, but what about um, what about you and your career? What are some of the uh, most memorable or important lessons you've learned over your career in parking and mobility? One of the most important lessons I learned, and I learned it early on in in my career, even you know before joining Standard Parking and Tom Hagerman. You know, it's something my dad taught me. And I really applied it to everything I, I do, especially within the parking business, because we know this doesn't happen all the time. And it's really stay true to your word. You know, in the last 20 years, I've made three significant career changes. We talked about it earlier. I went from parking management to parking hardware and then parking hardware over to parking software. And I learned that the only thing that traveled in those changes was my reputation. And so if I stayed true to my word, when I would go from job to job, I was able to really start in and and leverage the relationships because I was always true to my word. And I had an example. When I left standard parking and I went over to digital payment, you know, now known as T2 Systems. One of my first sales was with Chris Walsh and Louis Macedo from Laz. We are fierce competitors during my parking management time, but we always treated each other with respect and dignity and really stayed true to my word. And they rewarded me early on within the first month of, of buying equipment. And I think that is just something that as you're starting out your career and extremely important in sales because it's really easy for for some folks to say whatever somebody wants to hear to get a sale but it will always come back and you will always you know you it it will always cause issues if you're not true to your word and so it's something i learned early on and i continue to preach it to everybody that i can and continue to follow it every single day Oh, 100%. You know, I've been on a lot of decision making panels and for different products or services solutions, but we definitely pay attention to the people behind the products. You know, I know this person, if something's wrong, they're going to be on the first plane out there to fix it. This person is, is, if they can't do it, they're going to tell you they can't do it. You know, they're not going to give you that salesman, sure, we could do that. We could do that. We could do that. You know, it's, uh, you know, I definitely pay attention to people that keep their word, that have a strong reputation because I know they're going to do me right in the end. And they're going to tell me if I've had people tell me like, I love to make this sell, but I don't think this is going to work for your scenario. You know, and that those are the kind of people I want to do business with. So that's, that's great stuff. What about a fun one? Um, 
you know, what's something in parking that almost no one agrees with you about? I think we've had this discussion before, so I wanted to bring it up on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure about whether, you know, nobody agrees with this, but I think parking is fun. I love the parking industry. In the 20 plus years, I've enjoyed just about everything in the parking industry. I love the fact that we solve real world problems when it comes to parking, congestion, transportation. That's exciting to me. I love having a conversation with somebody who knows nothing about parking before we start the conversation. And then they realize that parking is a leading indicator of the state of the economy in the U.S. So these are all things that are exciting to me. And so I'm not sure, you know, if it's, you know, parking geek, you know, in, in my LinkedIn title or not, but I enjoy parking. I think it's fun. And I know, Isaiah, you're not too far behind me. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I've told this story before, but before I got into parking, I was in banking and I did not like it. There's a rule for everything. There's no room for creativity. There's a process, 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 procedure, procedure, procedure. And I consider myself a creative person. I got into parking and my boss was, I don't care how you do it. Just it needs to get done. This is our problem fix it. And, you know, you could talk to five people, five different people, and they will all recommend a different way of doing it. And I love that about the industry. It seems to be full of kind of creative, resilient, adaptable professionals. Everyone says the same, you know, of course, no one went to school for parking. They start off the same way, but there does seem to be a certain type of people that last long in this industry. And it's these people that, that think it's fun, that, that like the challenge, that like the creative solutions to, I, I don't know. I just love that. There's no, it's not as black and white, you know, there's, there's this gray area that certain people just excel at to, uh, again, just use your creativity to, to use, have fun to, to create the best solution. And I think that's, uh, again, people sense that too, that, you know, the people that enjoy doing what they do and, and finding these solutions. So, uh, no, I, I just remember that, People arguing that parking's boring or dumb, and we'll we'll die on the sword. That parking is—I'll never leave parking. It is such a fun industry. So it's pretty uh, exciting. I, Sorry for interrupting you no, this go ahead. time. You know, it's it's pretty exciting also to see the current evolution and of who's working in the industry. Now, I think in the beginning, when I first started my career, you know, the individuals that were in parking, you know, were those you know very rigid individuals. And I think folks like, you know, myself and you and others that came in kind of years ago that really started to transition it. And now seeing some of the folks that are very progressive, having very creative ideas on how to solve these problems, even much more than, than we had, you know, in our time. And it'll be interesting and exciting to see how this industry continues to evolve. It's, it feels like it is on, you know, just on the, the verge of, of another adaptation or advancement in, in problem solving and innovation. So it's going to be exciting over the next five years to see what happens. Yeah. And 
luckily there's a lot of young blood and a lot of smart, creative people coming in because man, it seemed like a few conferences ago, David, you and I and Hernandez, we were the young guns. We were the <laughs> right. We were the young professionals. And now we're 15, 20 years into this industry and we're seeing these college kids come into the industry to shake things up. And I, and I love it. But uh, speaking of fun and industry being fun, what about, can you take it outside of parking? What do you like to do for fun? I know you, you go to music festivals and travel and family. And I think I just stole all your answers, but uh, tell our listeners what, you know, what's David Hoyt like when he's not uh, leading park mobile sales initiatives? Well, he pretends to play golf. You know, he, <laughs> he, like a lot of other folks in the parking industry, you know, he, he lies about his handicap and he pretends to play golf. Now I, I really enjoy spending time on, out on the golf course with friends. My son and I during the pandemic have had an opportunity to play a lot of golf together. And I've, I've really treasured that from a family perspective. We love to travel. You know, that's kind of been our, our guilty pleasure over the years. You know, it's been less material things, but a lot of experiences and traveling has, has been one of them. Been able to travel the globe with my family my wife and my kids. And that's been extremely rewarding. And when that doesn't happen, I love live music, whether it's music festivals, whether it's, you know, just a venue, I love live music. So I, I think kind of the, those three are my big three and they're all about experiences. You know, I just love the experiences that I can enjoy with family and friends. I do uh, follow David on Instagram. Uh, so I get to see picture of his beautiful family from time to time, but love seeing it. And again, thank you for the influence you've, you've, uh, an impact you've made on me and my career and many others. Uh, I'm sure we'll, you'll get some shout outs on social media when this posts, but, uh, man, David, uh, uh, we've talked so much. So I'm glad we finally could connect to get you on the podcast. Thank you for joining. It means a lot. Isaiah, it's been a pleasure. I, I enjoy listening to the podcast. I'm so happy that I was, you know, asked by you to to join and I'll continue to listen to the podcast. You are certainly a a breath of fresh air in the industry and keep it up my friend and I am very happy that I can call you friend. I appreciate it. Likewise, David. Now go get some sleep after that 20-hour flight. Have a good one, David. Have a great week. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker's solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. 
I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. 